Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. I tell everybody right now, if you're an NFL player and you're getting ready for training camp and you're not in shape right now, you're panicking. Okay, you're about a month out from going into training camp right now. And, okay, you're running in the middle of the night. You're doing everything you possibly can because you know you got camp coming up <coughs> on July 27th. With that, we bring in our friend who's going to take a look at some of these rosters. Also... We're going to talk a little bit about this new 12-team playoff that's being proposed by college football and the college football playoff board. We'll get that. But right now, it's our friend Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. He joins us now here on the National Football Show. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good, Dan. Good to be with you as always. How are you? All good. You know, I, I just talked with Arash Markazi in Los Angeles about Matthew Stafford. And, you know, it's funny when you're hearing Sean McVay you know, oh, my God, I can't believe what I have. Oh, he's the best thing. I, I, I tell you, there could be some truth to this in this fact here, Chris. When, you know, I, I compare him to Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, when he was in Minneapolis, we all knew he was good. But then when he went to the Celtics, we saw him around really good players. And we were like, wow, he's a Hall of Famer. Could that be kind of what we're watching here a little bit here with Matthew Stafford? You have to be determined on what he's going to do during the regular season, but he's got 10 games this year that are going to be primetime game. America's going to get a chance finally to see who Matthew Stafford is. He's got the talent to do it. There's no question about it. Um, he's got the arm talent. I think he's got leadership qualities. Look, I think you have to look at the organization, and you can certainly look at the mistakes. You always have to, as you know, break down the turnovers and the mistakes. So where do they come from, okay? Do, or you're trailing in games. You can't trust your run game. You can't trust your defense. So, of course, you're going to try to, you know, fling it and, and, quite frankly, make dumb decisions. Is that correctable? Is that something that is just bad habits that it's hard to break? Or, look, that's the only thing we got. 
And in a lot of cases, that's all it's been. So I think now you're going to see an offense that's built more tailor-made to run the football, condense the formations, and, you know, rely on a better team concept, which the Lions have not had any consistency. They've not been any good because they've lacked any consistency. So I've not seen them with a good running game. That should change. I've not seen them with a good defense. That should be a little bit better, maybe a lot better. Uh, and the coaching, I think, the stability of coaching, I think, gives them all a better chance. Now, if he doesn't do it here, then you look and say, oh, you know, he's just he's not that guy. But I, I think he's, to me, the guy that was drafted to be great. He was worthy of where they took him. He's just a really good talent without an organization. And and this gives him a new life, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if we if we're taking anything from the Ryan Tannehill experience here, and I'm not suggesting in any way that Matthew Stafford's Ryan Tannehill, but I mean, the one loss record speaks for itself. And like you said, Chris, you just can't put that on the feet of a quarterback. You've got to put that on the feet of the organization and the players as well. So you're all in the same rowboat together here with this stuff here. But now my question would be with the Rams is this. They look like they have a pretty good front 22. But because of all the moves that Les Need and Kevin Demoff have made, boy, I'll tell you, man, the, the money, the deferred money they still owe on Clay Matthews Jr., they still owe money on Todd Gurley. I mean, one catastrophic injury, that football team doesn't seem to me like it has a lot of depth. Is that kind of where they are right now because of the moves they've made in the past? Yes, and they've, in addition to cap difficulty, they have no uh, draft capital. I mean, they've given up all of that, so they've not been able to draft those young guys that can come in and give them snaps and become really good players. They're down the road, guys. So, and let's let's throw in right here the division that they're in. I mean, I. I could sit here and make the case that they could finish fourth in their division. Yeah. The Cardinals are a good team. They've got some issues, but they're good. There's not a bad team in this division. The Niners were bad last year because they got injury bad. The Niners may be, I mean, clearly a candidate worse to first. You got the Rams. I mean, you, you, you know, I, I think you got four teams in this division. Seattle is a rock solid team. I think you can make the case of, maybe the Niners are the only team good enough to maybe be Super Bowl good if all things go right. But every team in this division is good. And the worst team in this league is going to be pretty good unless you have a Niners type year with injury. So I, I, I think there's a lot of things that's going to be a challenge, which I think they feel like in, in the Rams, they drafted Jared Goff too high. I mean, they, they liked him. That's fine. He's not the player that they evaluated, wasn't as good. And so they think that they're a quarterback away. I mean, they think that their quarterback can kind of turn it, whereas the Niners have been about, look, we're good around the quarterback and Garoppolo we can win with. And I think they saw that golf is a guy they could win with, but they had to be so good around him. Now they've got a guy that they feel like can maybe take them over the top. But as you mentioned, is the team good enough? Can they get stops defensively? Can they, you know, they'll focus and I think they'll run the football pretty well, but are they, do they have enough talent and depth there? I think those are valid questions and concerns. You know, I remember when we were talking about Kyler Murray coming out of Oklahoma and I made the comments of this, Chris. I mean, I know it's a different NFL today, you know, and personally, I think the refereeing and the NFL learned a lot from how they legislated hits on Cam Newton. And when they watched how they called 
uh, penalties on him running up the sidelines for players hitting him or maybe not calling the penalties. I think the mobile quarterback, the refereeing and the officiating in the NFL, we're not going to have that happen to another player or they were just going to pound him down. So to me, it's kind of been like, you know, like a renaissance for the officiating. And that's why I'm seeing this. Kyler Murray, he might be a superstar. He might be able to take some of these hits because it's a different league. I mean, I didn't evaluate him that high. Have you been shocked on how successful he's been? Or do you still think that there's a there's a massive amount of room for him yet to improve and he's going to be one of the elite guys? I think there's a lot of room that needs to be improved in the pocket. See, I, I, I just don't think – I think you're very limited to what you can do with him in the pocket. Okay? Look, folks, it's – yeah, you move the pocket. Yeah, you can have a lot of improvisation. Yeah, you can throw them in the run game. But to your point is, now let's throw this out. Uh, when you start to be a runner, then you're a little bit limited how you can protect those guys. Then, then he, you know, he gets crushed, and then you got a problem. So how do you work him in the pocket? He's too sharp to work in a standard, you know, three, five, seven, seven. He's got to get back really quickly in the nine you know, step drop, and like Drew Brees did. But yep. Drew Brees exploded out of the pocket. This guy is a little bit more of gets back there. Is he a drifter, Chris? He's absolutely a drifter, and he's more inclined to, I'm not going to wait too long for that guy. If I don't see it right away, I'm running. And, okay, then you become a runner, and you got to defend that, but only – when he can begin to see it quickly in the pocket and deliver it, that's only when he's going to become elite. Because when you have to defend both the pass and the run, then you got a problem. Um, and, I, you know, Lamar Jackson is great. But they, tell me, they're running a college option offense. I don't care how you want to call it. That's what it is. So when you, when you can hurt teams from the pocket and you can do the other things, then you got something. The problem is, as you know, necessity is the motherhood of invention, right? If you're a great athlete, you're more inclined to say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to run because I'm good at it, and it's easier. And so, that you know, the Bradys and the Mannings, they don't think about running because they can't run. So they think, i got to get it up quickly. You know that. You know that. You played this game. You had your strengths, and you knew what you could do, and maybe – all right, I'm going to have to play my style. You know, <laughs> you're not going to try to do something somebody else can't do because maybe that's not you and vice versa. And I think that's how this guy has to really develop a little bit more in the pocket or else he'll be a shorter version. Um, and, and he's got better passing skills than Lamar Jackson, but everything can't be an improvisational stuff. I mean, you can do some of that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes does some of that, but Patrick Mahomes can hurt you in the pocket too. So good luck. They got all sorts of weapons. They can run it. They spread you out. You know, you come and rush him in the pocket. He can escape and throw it ridiculously sideways like Elway and across the body that things you don't want to do, and he can do it. And then also he can get rid of the ball quickly out of the pocket. That's what makes him elite, and that's what makes other guys talented but not elite. You know, Chris, you mentioned one of my favorite players to watch. I just don't know if I'd want my favorite player to lead my football team, and that's Lamar Jackson, and here's why. And, and when I say this, it sounds absurd. He's won 80% of his ball games. He's led the NFL in touchdown passes. He's rushed for 1,000 yards two consecutive years. There's a contract that they're starting to negotiate here, 
But why do I do this? I'm sorry, man, but he's not elite. Elite quarterbacks can throw you out of trouble. If you're down 21 points, you you're you're going to be able to come back like Mahomes. You, he he no no lead is safe. Look, look, look at the, su- the Super Bowl two years ago. They yeah, won the I mean, Super Bowl two years ago. They were down in every flipping game in the playoffs. I mean, they they look like they're going to lose every one of those games, and he came back. Baltimore with Jackson can't do that. So if if you're if you're the organization, how do you move forward with that when you know this? When you get into the postseason, Chris, you're going to be behind. You're going to win a lot of regular season games, but once you get to the postseason and you're going against these these defenses like we saw with Todd Bowles' defense and those schemes that they were able to do against Aaron Rodgers, who's a complex offense with Matt Lafleur, like you said, that thing's a high school offense they got in Baltimore. How do you sit there and justify? giving a guy $40 million when you know in critical situations that guy can't win a Super Bowl? Uh, for me, it would be tough to do because I think you hit it. I think they're going to always be, depending on how good their defense is, they're, they're going to be a really good regular season team. They're going to be in the playoffs every year. They could sell that and then get into the playoffs, but they're going to have to have the right matchup. They're going to have to keep you know one possession games because – when they're behind, it's tough. And when you're facing a Kansas City, you know, you could have a lead. You could have a 10-point lead, and the Kansas City comes boom, boom, and all of a sudden you're down 10 and what you're going to do. And then if they can sit on the run game. Now, you got to stop their run game. you got to stop that. But elite teams, not every team that you play every week in the regular season, but elite playoff teams can do that. I don't see. Look, could they go and win a Super Bowl if the team around them is so good that defensively they could just cause problems for everybody, including an elite offense like a Buffalo or Kansas City? It could happen. It's less likely, far less likely for those reasons. So I think it's tough because he is who they built their organization and team around, but I think there's a pretty low ceiling with the guy for the reasons you mentioned. As a passer – you know, he can throw it. He's just not a passer, meaning they don't really work a sophisticated passing game because it's all about the option attack. And how far can they take that? That's the challenge. What can they do offensively to make it tougher to defend and to come from behind a little bit better? Because right now you're right. They're down 21 points. They've talked about the Chiefs. They're done. That's it. It's over. Playoff team, they're done. It's not going to happen. couple last questions for you, Chris, here. Tua took a Viola. Um, why do I keep doing this every single week? And I start, and you know what's funny? I had on, you know, Dave Hyde from the Sun Sentinel uh, yesterday, you know, and he was making like a sales pitch, it seemed to me. Man, the guy has great leadership. And every time somebody starts with great leadership, that's when I know they don't have a quarterback. Because to me, when I watch Aaron Rodgers, I see great talent. And then I go from there. <laughs> I mean, this guy's got great leadership. Well, that's a salesman's pitch. Okay, and you and and by the way, if you're an NFL quarterback, don't thank me for not robbing a bank. You better have great leadership capabilities when you're in the NFL. That's a given at that position. How do you see this kid? I am am I wrong when I do this? I I just I'm not there yet with him. I'm concerned about his height. I'm concerned about durability. I'm concerned a little bit about confidence because I think, you know, it's a chicken egg thing. I think the guy is incredibly accurate, but I think 
you know, when when you're able to set your feet and throw it, this guy is really good. I, I worry a little bit about under pressure, rush pressure I'm talking about, which, you know, let's, this Dolphins team is it's looking pretty good. They're getting yeah. better and better. Good roster. And they really do. It's a good roster. It's not like they're throwing them into the wolves. Yep. I'm worried about this year, but I, I, he, I tell you this, I know the kid works really hard. I, I think he'll be a good decision maker, but I worry a little bit about what we talked about with height. He's not Kyler Murray height, but he's still got to get greater depth to be able to see. And I worry a little bit about, I mean, he gets a lot of passes that he's got to alter, you know, in terms of getting it around the defender instead of over it. So I'm a little bit worried there. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I am a little concerned. Um, a, 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 a people have asked me this, which is not what you asked me, and I, I, I didn't, but I, I'm, uh, but, I, but in an Alabama show that I do, who do I think is going to have a better pro career, Mac Jones? Or Tua and and I, I said, you know, I, I would probably vote for Mac Jones. I agree. And, I, and Chris, uh, let me throw well, this let, in let's, here. Let's hope Tua can get to it because I, I think that he could be a difference for the Dolphins. I'm going to tell you the difference in the <clears throat> two, in my opinion. Tell me if you agree. Mac Jones, when he's back in the pocket, and the thing that you say exactly, if Mac doesn't have a passing lane, he does what the Roethlisberger does. He creates passing lanes by moving in the pocket like this. You know, everybody thinks you have to take up off the field to make passing lanes. The great ones sit back, tap toe around. Tua doesn't do that in the pocket. He'll take off immediately. The great ones, Chris, they'll sit back there and create passing lanes. I think that's still one fundamental that really is – it's a clear difference when I watch him versus Mac Jones. And Mac sees the field better. Yeah. Tua has to work to see and understand coverages better. He was – primarily a one-read guy at Alabama most of the time because they did a great job. You know, they get mismatches, and it, you didn't have to go to secondary or tertiary often. But, you know, he does get the – even in the when he came in, he looked off the safety. He, he's got to get better at that. The other thing, you mentioned the reason why he doesn't slide, he doesn't see as well. Yep. So he's got he's to work back and slide because he's got to – he doesn't see it, meaning – it, it, he visually can't see it. You, when, you know, we talk about, you know, visually you can't see it. Like you, you, you don't have enough height to see it. And then can you see it quick enough? Because in this league, it happens so fast. I mean, it's like a train hitting you when you don't know it's coming. It's just you got to see it. And if you see it, it's not out. Boy, it's it's too late. It, it closes so much quicker than it does in college. So I, I'm – I'm a little concerned, but I, I know the pedigree of the kid that he'll work at it, and, and I think he'll be pretty good. I just don't know that he'll ever be that elite guy that they had hoped. couple college questions for you. Yes, Chris, uh, if I go on the website, LandryFootball.com, tell me, um, I, I don't know any of the guys that are going to be the top prospects at the quarterback position. Can you give me three names to keep an eyeball on coming up for the college football season? Yeah, yeah Sam Howell is a guy to 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 look out for. At he's a Baker Mayfield type body type and a an arrogance. He's at North Carolina and he started as a true freshman. And I mean, he came back as a true freshman first game against South Carolina. They're down twenty one points and he leads them and he. Come on my back. And that whole leader, gunslinger, he's a really, really good one. I think he's got a chance. I think Spentler Rattler at Oklahoma is a guy to look out for as well. 
those are two guys to keep in mind. There's there's a whole lot of other guys. I think the USC kid is really good and I think has a chance to go, you know, Keaton Slovis I'm talking about, I'm sorry, um, is very, very good and I think has a chance to be a good one. And we'll see what JT Daniels does in Georgia if they open up their off. Those are some. There are plenty more. We got them all out there, and we got a breakdown of all the schools, not only who the prospects are for 2022, 23, 24, about a 10,000-page write-up on each team and program in college ball and the NFL. So check that out. I love that. Final question for you here, this 12-team playoff that we know is going to happen. I, I was bringing this up the other day to – a college scout and to Tom Telesco. I'm sorry still, Chris, if I am um, in one of these playoff games and say that I'm not in the final four and I'm like six, seven, and I'm a top 15 kid and I've got guaranteed $20 million signing bonus and you're not paying me. I know that we saw what the uh, Supreme court said yesterday that we were like this. I mean, Hey, maybe this is a chance. Now we start seeing compensation and even Judge Kavanaugh even said, hey, you're not above the law, the NCAA. I mean, you're going to have to compensate these kids in some way for these bowl games because you're going to be a $70, million, $70 billion business here with the expansion of this bowl thing. I mean, are we rolling more towards that because of the 12-team playoff that we're going to see kids compensated finally? Yeah, I think we are. I think everything is changing. Um, so people that don't like it or do like it, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's changing. We're seeing it. And it's all kind of hitting everybody like a bucket of cold water, like, oh, wow, because we've got expansion of the playoffs is on the horizon. We don't know when. It may be 2025. It may be 2023. More on that another time. Um, we've got the name, image, and likeness. That's going to take the, as you know, Dan, the under-the-table payments and put them over the table. So they can't, NCAA can't enforce it now. Good luck in the future. <laughs> and so I think you'll see that. I don't know. Maybe some teams will play if they got, you know, that if they got a chance to compete, you know, you may be right. But one thing we do know, man, the bowl games as they were, if you weren't in the playoffs, nobody was playing. I mean, it became, it went from Christian McCaffrey's not playing in the Sun Bowl. Wow. Did you hear that? To now, if a player does play, you say, Wow, it's silly. I can't believe that. You know, it's like, it's like now, and, and I think that's what it is. I, look, I mean, folks like it, hate it. That's where it's going. More playoffs, it's more inclusion. Now everybody's going to see. I don't know where the name, image, and likeness, how it's going to go, uh, how much, you know, I think there's a lot of things that need to be figured out. There has to be some guardrails. I think the rich are going to get richer, Dan, because the, the programs that can have the booster money and can do things. I mean, look, people say, well, only the quarterback's going to get the big money. Look, I mean, you think a, a big-time booster that runs a ABC business is not going to make sure that the linemen are taken care of at the big times. I, I think that's happening. I think it's getting more and more like pro football, like it or not. I drove a vet at Miami anyway. Hey, statue of limitations, we're up. Hey, hey, the, the statue of limitations are over, folks. They're over, can, man. We're good. He, all he, good. He, hey, he can come with all the stories. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. As always, remember, folks, go to LandryFootball.com. Chris has got everything. It's my number one site when I go there for all my information. Chris, thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. You got it. That is my friend Chris Landry breaking it down. We'll take a brief time out. Dave Lapham. It's going to give us some Bengals football. One of my surprise teams in 2021. We'll hit up with Dave next right here on the National Football Show. 
I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Great catching up with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I predicted this a couple days ago that one of my surprise teams going into the 2021 season was going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. And the only guy that I know that I call in Cincinnati is my longtime friend, Dave Lapham, and he joins us now here on the National Football Show. Dave, how you doing, my friend? Dan, how are you doing? Thanks for the invitation to uh, visit a little bit, sir. You got it, man. You know, and I say that because last year I got to I got to start it out by doing this, Dave. So I, I, you know, I wanted to see Joe Burrow. He made appointment setting television, and when I watched him, I did this. Wow, 
And he has a wow factor about him. I, there's just something special. And I, there's got to be a lot of optimism going into this season with this quarterback. And most importantly, will he be ready for training camp next month? Yeah, Dan, that's a great question. I, I, I think I would be surprised if he doesn't take the first snap under center of the regular season or shotgun or whatever it may be. Um, as far as preseason is concerned, they'll probably still be ramping them up a little bit. I think he wants to play in a preseason game and check the final box, take a hit, get up and, you know, make sure you're okay kind of thing. But uh, organizationally and with the coaching staff and that sort of thing, I think that's still to be determined. But he says he's 85% there. I think it even looks a little bit better than that. And uh, what, he, what he did, typical Joe Burrow, he wants to compete and everything. So he competed to be the best rehab patient they've ever had. And his core strength, his hip strength, his overall body strength is increased dramatically. And he's throwing the ball with much more velocity and hasn't lost a bit of accuracy. So I'm impressed with what I see from him so far. There's no doubt. You know, you know, and, and I hate to do this to the young kid, Dave. I, I, I say this and there's just a Brady quality about him that, you know, every single thing that he does, he competes at. Like, I would think even maybe getting to the facility, the first guy there or, you know, going into the gym and, you know, getting his reps done before someone. I mean, one of those guys, you know, where he's always competing with you. Just talk a little bit about how the team has really embraced him and how he's fit in there in Cincinnati. You know, you, you hit it right on the head, Dan. The thing that the, the, comp, the comparable to me comparison with Tom Brady is both guys love and appreciate the grind. You know, they, they know that you just don't show up and play. They know that there's a huge process, you know, to getting ready every single week, every single day, every single practice. And they love that. And, and Joe Burrow's that way. Man, he just he, – he can't watch enough tape. You know, he can't, can't ask enough good questions of the coaches. Uh, he's really he's really laser-focused like Brady. I think that's another similarity. I mean, it is tunnel vision laser-focused to what he needs to do to get ready ready and then you compound that with uh incredible people skills you know a leader i think has got the, the natural ability to relate to every and all kinds of people and i think tom brady and and joe burrow uh i think exemplify that they joe burrow has that quality i mean he makes everybody feel more important more special have to have them to you know to get things done and i i think all great leaders do that they they raise the boat uh that way you know and every, everybody feels like they're a big part of it when they're around joe burrow it's amazing you, you know and dave what i love what the Bengals did this offseason they go out get a familiar wide receiver that he knows from lsu then they turn around and go into the offensive line in the nfl draft they get three guys and if i'm not mistaken they hired frank pollock the new offensive line coach this season here so i mean they're doing everything to build around him. So that shows you again, like, you know, we see what's going on up in Green Bay. You know, there's complaining about Aaron Rodgers, how they're not building around him. But this is one thing that if you're looking at a game plan being built around Joe Burrow, the Bengals are putting this formula together here where they're putting assets around him. You're exactly right. You know, and, and I, there was a 50-50 split, maybe even with the coaching staff, from what I hear, and organizational people, you go with Panace. Sewell, you go with Jamar Chase, and you make a case either way. You know, Sewell, the best offensive lineman in the draft in a lot of people's eyes to protect Joe Burrow, or a, a weapon that he had that they combined for 1,780 yards and 21 touchdowns, you know, in 2019, and one won the uh, 
Fred Bolitnikoff Award and every award that a receiver could win. And the other one won the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, it's just it, they, they made magic together. So uh, they decided to take the touchdown maker, the guy that can put points on the board, you know, can total can add up yardage. And watching Chase, man, I, I'd run every screen known to man uh, that you can run <laughs> with a wide receiver with him, Dave, because this kid is built like a fullback. He's got some strong legs, man. His lower trunk, his lower quadrant is unbelievably strong. And he runs, you know, with that with that thickness, he runs a four three five. So wow. he's gonna be once the ball ends, that's when the, the fun starts. You know, he's one of those, he's explosive. And he and Joe are already, you know, they've got that mental telepathy that, you know, all it takes is a look and they know what each other's thinking, kind of thing from having played together. They're further along than most rookie. Uh, receivers would be with their quarterback because of the familiarity of playing together. And, and they've, tr- the, what the Bengals offensive coaching staff has done is try to uh, in- install and instill a lot of familiarity between what they did at LSU and what they're doing here with the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of concepts and routes and that sort of thing. So, and he's a quick study. Um, and, and yeah, they're, they're surrounding, they're surrounding Joe Burrow with, you know, Joe Mixon's back healthy. Uh, Jamar Chase, T Higgins had a great rookie year, Tyler Boyd, you know, you've got uh, improvements in the offensive line. They 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 did uh, trade down in the second round and still got Jackson Carmen, somebody they really you know felt highly about, uh, highly regarded him and his abilities in the draft. And they got extra fourth round picks and so doing picked up another offensive lineman with that fourth round pick, DeAndre Smith, uh, who they think has got a, a bright future, real long arms, good feet. Uh, I think he'll project to be a pretty good tackle in the NFL. So I think the you know, they've obviously suffered to get the first pick in the draft and the fifth pick in every round of the draft the last couple of years, but they put the bat on the ball and then uncharacteristically have gone out and spent over a hundred million bucks in back-to-back off seasons. They've turned things over. I mean, the only two starters left on defense are the two guys will probably extend this off season. Uh, Sam Hubbard, uh, you know, and Jesse Bates, the two leaders of the defense. Other than that, you got nine new guys, you know, it's like new faces everywhere and, and Frank Pollock is big, like you said, bringing him back. Joe Mixon had his best year rushing with Frank Pollock's scheme. And Joe Mixon believes in and loves Frank Pollock. And the feeling's mutual. So, you know, Frank Pollock has had a little bit of a ripple effect on not just the offensive linemen, uh, but the running backs and everybody else uh, that's going to be involved in that running game. David, sounds to me that the Brown family, um, that he, they've been influenced by Joe Burrow. And – like you said, $100 million in free agency? Hell, the Steelers don't do that because that's something that they don't believe in either, going out and spending money on free agency. And surely the Bengals have been that kind of team where they're not going to spend the money. Then they're getting the assets, and like you say, putting the bat on the ball here by going out and putting the, the components around Joe Burrow. Has he influenced the organization that much where they feel that they have themselves a franchise guy? Because it has to be, right? Yeah, I think, you know, I was, uh, I did a podcast with Mike Brown a little bit earlier today. Uh, it's called In the Trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, if I could do a little self-plug there. But, <laughs> um, Mike Brown, I was saying, I said, you, you back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, and into the 80s, you had a run of quarterbacks. Greg Cook, who was phenomenal, he led the league in passing as a rookie and ripped his shoulder up. Buck Buchanan uh, fell on top of his shoulder and ripped it up, and he was never the same. He, Half of that rookie year where you led the league in passing, he was playing with a ripped uh, rotator cuff. And back then, that was a dramatic injury in the late 60s. And then you go to Kenny Anderson. Then you go to Boomer Esiason. 
I mean, that's that's three pretty good quarterbacks that took you for you know a good period of time in the course of your franchise. And I MVPs, them, you know, is, is yeah, MVPs, MVPs of the league, and and went to Bowl sixteen and Super Bowl twenty three with those MVP seasons. And 49ers got both the rings, but Bengals got AFC championships. And and you know, I said, is Joe Burrow that kind of guy, Mike? And he said, you know, it's still to be determined, but we think that he is. And they're backing it up with putting people around them to accentuate those abilities. So I think they know they've got a window here with a guy like Joe Burrow, a quarterback, because they've seen special quarterbacks in the past, and then they've suffered through times when they didn't have that special quarterback, and they feel like they've got one again. So I think there's something to that for sure. You know, you know, you mentioned the offensive line and all the turnover in the O-line plus the offensive line coach coming back. It, it, it is, you know, am I reading the room right in what you're saying? It's more now just about getting reps because anytime you put new faces into a position and you have new faces in a position room, Dave, it's more about just getting reps and just going out there and playing. So I would think that the exhibition season is pretty vital. Maybe not so much for Joe until he gets his uh, feet under himself here a little bit, but for the unit itself just to get reps together. Is that fair? I think that's very fair, Dan. You know, you understand that having played the game as long as you did and as well as you did that, you know, you're you're very codependent on the people around you. I mean, you, you can do your job outstandingly well. And if one guy on either side of you is not or they're not in the same page from the communication standpoint, you know, it doesn't mean the hill being so that, that's vitally important. And, and I agree with you about that. And, and the other thing is the players believe in Frank Pollock's techniques. Um, you know, Frank played in the league himself like eight or nine years. So Frank's belief is. I've got, I, I've got things that I want to teach from a technique standpoint, but everybody's body's not the same. Some guys are short-waisted and long arms. Other guys are short arms and long-waisted. So, you know, you're not going to – you have to adapt. You have to be flexible and, and, and some adaptation. And Frank's really good about that. You know, it's not like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It's like, you know, no matter what, this is what you're going to do. And, and damn it, I believe in my, you know, technique. He's, he's malleable, and, and the players really love that, and they – they, they really respond to him. So I think uh, I think that that is a factor and then getting out on the field and repping it. And and that's what everybody, I think, around the league is experiencing now. Virtual stuff can take you so far. But, man, you got to get in the huddle, look at each other, get up to the line of scrimmage, look at each other, see what the defense is presenting you, make adjustments. And repetition breeds comfort level. you got to be out on a football field to do that. I agree with you 100%. Two last questions for you here, Dave. Um, the tight end position has become such a major point and obviously – uh, familiar for you, where uh, having played the position. Let me throw this at you here. Um, you know, you see all these Travis Kelsey's, Gronkowski changed the position himself. It's so vital to have that position, especially when you're talking about a young quarterback. Where are the Bengals going at that position, and do they have somebody in that hole right there? Yeah, you make a, another a great point there in question. You know, C.J. Uzama was uh, Achilles very early in the season last year. And he's, he's come along pretty well uh, in, in both phases. I mean, you know, it, traditionally the tight end ha had to be the third tackle in the running game. And then, you know, a guy that can catch the run routes and catch the football, a very unique position. And uh, CJ can do that kind of thing. And um, Drew Sample is another guy they drafted in the second round a couple of years back. So they, they feel like they've got some guys. And when, and when you look at it, uh, the tight end position can be a big, big deal here because when we're talking about the wideouts, you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. You can't double everybody. And if they start, you know, moving, uh, tilting coverage toward the outside of the football field, the tight end in the middle field is going to look like the Eiffel Tower to a young quarterback. You know, they get a, a, a feeling of comfort 
seeing a tight end down there who, if he's, if he's, you know, got any value, he's going to be bigger than safeties and, and corners, and he's going to be faster, hopefully, than most linebackers. So hopefully you get a mismatch in the middle of the football field utilizing that tight end, and it'll be something that a uh, quarterback can feel real comfortable looking for that position. So I think they feel like uh, they, they've got some some people that can get some things done for them at the tight end position. It could end up being really big if uh, depending on how people tilt coverage during the season. Finally here, you know, I, I, I say this, and I love – projects where an organization takes a flyer on a guy and then he turns out to be the guy that you thought he was going to be and you were praying that he would be and they fit into a community you know joe mixon with all the dents in the fender that he had coming out of oklahoma it seems to me that all the things have been definitely pushed in the past the community loves the kid the organization loves him uh, he loves the fact that he's a cincinnati bengal that's a really great story because from where he came from Dave, this guy was a first-round draft choice, okay? There was no doubt when he was at OU, he was a first-rounder, but the things that happened to him in the past there definitely stopped that progression, and there was even conversation he may never play again. Just give us the the history of how he's come to where he is today from where he was. Yeah, I agree, Dan. He's a, he's a great story. Uh, I was doing um, Big 12 games with Fox around that time frame uh, when – when Joe had his issues and believe me, there's three sides to every story in terms of uh, how it happened and why it happened. Now, can you condone the fact that he put his hands on a woman? No, never. But uh, can there be extenuating circumstances that lead to the, to him uh, losing control and doing that? There can be, and there were, and uh, the Bengals, I think that it did their due diligence on it and, and uh, decided, you know, after they uh, checked with everybody that, they could check with it. It was worth taking the chance, particularly when he slid to the second round. Like you said, he's a first round talent that was still there. And I saw him do everything at Oklahoma, uh, you know, make, make people miss and run away from them, run them over and run away from them. The football, let's do all those sorts of things. He was a complete back there. And I think he's given them uh, that type of, uh, that type of a scenario here with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think we're going to look, they gave him a big contract. They gave him a extent money. And I think they're going to utilize him um, with, with Giovanni Bernard's departure. It's not like they don't have a third down back, and they do have somebody that they can rotate in there and, and give Joe some uh, some breaks now and then. But I think they're going to use Joe more on third down than they did when Giovanni Bernard was a Cincinnati Bengals. So I think his role may even increase a little bit. And like you said uh, the community for Gato Wilson, they embraced him and, uh, and said, you know, we're going to evaluate you on what you're doing here in Cincinnati. And, it's a it's a mutual love that's going on between Joe uh, Joe Mixon and the Cincinnati Bengals uh, fan base and uh, Bengal Nation, no doubt. Hey man, Dave, I appreciate you stepping in, and I'm going to tell you, um, they're one of my surprise teams. I think this football team has a chance, you know, I, and I don't know what that chance is. Well, let me end that with you there. Do you think that this team has a playoff roster, or is it is, is it a green apple on a tree right now? You know, and we're just waiting it for it to ripe. Yeah, it's 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 somewhere in between there. I think you know. It's like the thing about it, Dan, is is you know that uh, man, the division. Cleveland's getting some Super Bowl buzz. Baltimore's getting Super Bowl buzz. Pittsburgh still, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger era hasn't ended. Uh, Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season as a head coach in 14 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have the history and tradition of success. 
you could be a decent football team and go two and four in the, you know, and it's like, uh, damn, you know, that's the thing first is taking care of business in the AFC North. And that's not easy, man. They came knocking. They said, Hey, we want to, let's go, let's go out. Let's go play now. You know, now you're out here with the boys. So it's a challenge. There's no question. Are they, are they building a plan? I, I think Mike Brown made a great analogy today in the podcast. He said, what I, what I'd look at it as is there's a, there's, ingredients have been put together and it's been put in a cake pan now the cake's in the oven now is it going to bake properly when we take the cake out will it be undercooked overcooked will it be what's the cake going to be like it's in the cooking right now and some grease we blended and put together we'll have to see what the final product looks like well for me i don't care what the cake looks like i'll just put frosting on it and eat it anyway dave thank you so much for coming aboard i really appreciate it brother thank you so much for doing it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you dave you bet that's my friend dave lapham there from the cincinnati Bengals. man yeah do i look like i've missed any cake meals all right we'll reset you keep it right here on the national football show i get scared sometimes of a lot of things joining in decisions the dark the dark But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. 
ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show, Dan Cilio. How we're packed today, huh? As my good friend Jim McKay would say, Big Seal spans the globe. We go all over the NFL. This is not just, you know, a local show here. That's what we're doing here on the National Football Show. We take you to Seattle, down to Miami, up to New England, and over to Arizona and everywhere in the middle and also in college. That's what, you know, always been a passion of mine to be able to do something like that. I never really knew how much, you know, the football fan and today the football fan has become the biggest sports fan in American sports. Okay. Basketball. And you know, and I'll give them credit. You know what I think? I think the ratings have been going up in the NBA because you know why you have new stories, Atlanta, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Hell, I think the last time they were in an Eastern Conference Final, I think the organization was in St. Louis when they went to an Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the Bucks haven't been to an Eastern Conference Finals since 74 when Jabbar was there. I mean, you got so many storylines. The Clippers never been there. And by the way, who would have thought, too, the Clippers make it to the Western Conference Finals without Doc? <laughs> yeah, I know my boy's getting roasted in Philly. And, hey, you know what? It's one thing because, you know, when you're the head coach of the Clippers and you get bounced, you're the head coach of the Clippers. But you're, when you're a head coach in one of these sports cities that every franchise matters, Flyers, Rangers, Blackhawks, Bruins, and you get bounced, fans don't look kindly on that, especially when you have expectations. And know this, when you've been feeding people, this guy's great. Hey, we've invested, and you've invested the time and the money and the draft pick in a guy, and all of a sudden you start waffling and you start wobbling on a guy's ability. People in those cities are not stupid. You know, the one thing I, I, I opened the show with is that, here, let's just do this, though. If I could just give any advice to the Sixers organization and Daryl Morey, do this, dude. Don't allow the media to keep – teaming up on Ben Simmons to drag, to drag that guy up and down Broad Street. Don't do that, man, because you're going to lose market value for that kid if you're going to think about moving him. The Eagles got crushed in that because of mismanaging that asset. When you decide to move off of a player, he becomes an asset. He's no longer your player because you don't see him as part of your future. You see him as a building block, which means he's an asset. When the Eagles went out and said, we're going to have a competition that's wide open, you'll never get value for that kid. And they didn't get value. They got a compensation pick where that if the kid ends up becoming um, a champion in that division, or I think he gets to the AFC title game, then I think it turns into a first rounder. But get this, if it turns into a first round draft choice, you're talking about a football team that's going to be down in the late 20s. Okay? I mean, still a first rounder, I get it, okay? But that's not a 
That's not a first-round pick like you want to build your franchise back up with, and that's what Philly needs. Philly doesn't need the 29th pick in the draft. Philly needs the ninth pick in a draft. Okay, because you're going to have to determine after week eight whether or not Jalen Hurts is your guy. Here's what's going to go down with that. You're going to look at it and go like this. Will there be knee-jerk reactions like there have been in Philly the last two years? Or are you going to be patient? And are you going to sit back and are you going to take the bumps and bruises that are going to come with this experiment that you're going through? And let's not forget something. you got Devontae Smith out there too. Are you going to have this guy set up by a quarterback that can't get him the football in an NFL game? That's also something you got to play into here. If you think that kid's that dynamic, hey, man, hey, there was a part of me that went like this. I don't know. Maybe the Eagles should have went for a quarterback in the draft. Just saying. Yeah, but we went and got a guy in the second round. Hey, so what? If I was a general manager on an NFL football team today, I would always draft a quarterback in the draft. Maybe a fifth rounder, maybe a sixth rounder. If I need, maybe a first or second or third. I would never in a million years ever pass on an opportunity that maybe I can get a Dak Prescott, a Russell Wilson, or God forbid, a Tom Brady. Remember, those guys were all drafted outside of the third round. Every one of those players were drafted out of the first out of the first three rounds. Dak was a fourth. Brady was a sixth. You know, I, I'll take that back. Wilson was a third. Okay? But they didn't really think Russell Wilson was going to go in there and beat that guy, Matt Flynn, out who they had given a free agent contract to. You always draft a guy because you never know when you're drafted. Look at what – you know what saved Mike Shanahan's ass in Washington? So they get RG3, right? And they give the Rams that bounty of first-rounders, which the Rams never really did anything with. And what did what did Mike Shanahan do? He hedged his bets with doing what? I think it was the fourth round. They got Kirk Cousins, right? Cousins turned out to be the better pro prospect because he hedged his bets. You always hedge your bets. And by the way, why do you think Jalen Hurts was drafted in Philly? He was a safety belt. Because they couldn't count, just like in San Francisco, the reason Trey Lance has been drafted. Couldn't count on health at the quarterback position. Guy's made a paper mache. Every time the guy's playing, he's great. Every time the guy gets hit, he's hurt and he's out for an extended period of time. And that's why in San Francisco, they had to make the move. By the way, I think this is why when you watch Carson Wentz in Indy, I think Carson Wentz is going to really have a great opportunity because he's not going to be relied on to have to throw the ball 35 times in a ball game. He can, but he's not going to have to, especially when you got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and you got a top 10 offense. Remember, you had Phillip Rivers on that team and they won 11 ball games last year. So the bar is kind of high, actually. And I actually thought they were a few plays on moving on into the playoffs. They were a pretty good football team, that Colts team last year. A couple more plays here, a couple more plays there. That football team could have been in the AFC Championship game. They were good, man. That's a good football team. And Rivers still turned the ball over, and they won 11 ball games. It's the only team coming back that I think that you can make the argument, well, they got a top 10 D and a top 10 O. It's kind of – you know what that team reminds me of? That team reminds me of that world championship Philadelphia Eagles team. Good old line. 
uh, you know, Buckner up front on the defensive side of the football. On the other side of the football, they got a top five offensive line. That's the same thing they had in Philly that year. They won the Super Bowl. They had the best combination of lines in the league that year. And as they got in, they got into the postseason, it became even more evident on what they were doing. They weren't winning ball games because of superstar plays. Now, Foles played his asses off his ass off in the conference and in the Super Bowl championship games. He did. Not ever taking that away from the kid. But those lines were the dominant forces in what sold it and what got it across the finish line for the Eagles. Plus, they got luck with injuries on other teams during the playoffs. So it's going to be a, I, I can't wait to see the run this year. I, I, I just cannot wait to see where we're going this year. All right, real quick on this 12-team playoff, there were some comments made today. You should see the uh, emails that I get from the college football playoff committee. And because Bill Hancock was on our show um, a couple days ago, you know, I get these emails and get this, it's not for public viewing. So I get this and I'll give you guys a little bit of a heads up. Now I'm not supposed to, cause I'm a top 25, by the way, I'm a top 25 voter for a college football poll each and every single week. And we'll do that. Um, probably every, we'll probably do that on Mondays. Once the college football season, I got a preseason poll that I got to put out here in a couple of, of weeks. I maybe even a couple of days. I've got to get a poll out for, uh, the preseason. It's the AP power, uh, power 16. So I'm going to throw that out there. Probably maybe we'll do that next Monday. I think I have until that time where I have to put my top 16 in there. So this new 12 team playoff, there's a lot of, you know, conversation going back and forth here and it is happening. And, you know, Chris Landry was right. I don't believe it's going to happen in 2022, but I do believe it's going to happen in 2023. What they've got to do and what they've decided, and I got to hand it to Notre Dame. I can't believe Notre Dame was the people that did this. Notre Dame has agreed that they'll never be higher than fourth, which means this, they're never going to get a bye, but they're going to have a home game always if they are number five. So if Notre Dame ends up number five, they'll get a home game at their place instead of playing in a bowl game, which means a boatload of money to Notre Dame football and to NBC. You got to remember NBC and that contract that they have is the only reason why Notre Dame is not a conference of, uh, opponent because they don't need a conference. They've got a $100 million TV deal with NBC. So um, this thing is happening. And the amount of money they got to figure it out uh, now combine this with what the Supreme Court ruled the other day. College football, boy, is in a really, really great place. Hey, man, I want to thank my boy Krause. Cal, keep a great job up. Hey, Big Joe, thank you so much. Don't forget, too, if you missed any of the show, you can go over to Jacob Media Channel and you can like it, share it. We implore you to do that. Thank you so much for checking us out. Don't forget tomorrow, 4 to 6 Eastern time. Until then, see you on the flip side. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.